Welcome to the All Hoop Show. I'm your host, Stephen Inman, sitting alongside Chris Brito. Chris, it's officially springtime with the weather warming up, and the NBA playoffs are back in full swing. The postseason is not disappointed. And first off, Chris, my friends, how are you? Hey, Steve. Happy to be here on the All Hoop Show. Um, I'm so excited about these NBA playoffs, Steve. I think in recent memory, I've never had like ev- almost every playoff series like be so close, with the exception of maybe the Golden State Warriors uh, Spurs series. But the cool thing is that I think every- all the all the games have been entertaining too. Like, um, who would have thought the Cavaliers and the Pacers would have played to seven games? Um, the Celtics, Bucks. Although that one would have been a little bit more predictable, but still, man, I, I, there are so many headlines to come out of the first round of the playoffs, and there's even even more to look forward to the second round. Um, what are you, what are your initial thoughts about uh, how the first round went, Steve? I mean, my my first thought is uh, you know Boston Celtics that Milwaukee series was a lot of fun. Game seven, you know that Milwaukee team is pretty good, and for. You know, the Celtics have sneaked by without Kyrie Irving, without Gordon Hayward. I thought that was really impressive. Uh, Terry Rozier is the truth. He got them the first game of the second round against a Sixers team that looked unbeatable in the first round. So I thought that was really important. And, you know, there, there's a ton of other thoughts. We're going to go around the league now. And, uh, Chris, let's start off with the defending champs, the Golden State Warriors. And sure. Pretty much, they did not look challenged by the Spurs. Obviously, the Spurs were in their own mess. We can get to that another time with Kawhi Leonard. But Stephen Curry, uh, not back yet, does not seem to have a timetable to return, Chris. When do when would they need him back? Do they need him for next round? Do they need him now? Do they even need him at all? You know what? I don't... They're not going to need Steph for, this, for the second round of the playoffs. I think as good as Utah has played in the first round and shocking really the world in being the Thunder, who are... You know, pretty much the favorites to like, and other than the Golden State Warriors, like right to meet in the Western Conference Finals, right? Um, I don't think they need them for Utah Jazz. I don't. I I just don't predict the Jazz having enough firepower um, to stop the Warriors. Like you saw it. You saw the game on um, uh, a few nights ago. Uh, I just. I. How are you going to stop the Golden State Warriors? Um, yeah, I think I think they're gonna need him in the next round when they play Houston. I think Houston's a different beast. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the team that Houston is playing this round, and that is the Utah Jazz. Chris, who could have seen this coming with Utah? Donovan uh, Mitchell had went from potential rookie of the year to he's a full star now. Chris, he averaged twenty eight a game. He beat Westbrook and George and Melo in that big three, basically almost on his own. Obviously, Ricky Rubio, who I'm now a huge fan of, Chris, had a, trem- clearly, yeah. had a tremendous series. And he, he really did. went toe-to-toe with Westbrook. He deserves a ton of credit. Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year candidate. You know, that is a good team with a you know, very good coaching staff who's going to be around for a long time. And while even if their season ends in this round against Houston, Chris, yeah. it's a really impressive year for Utah. Let me walk back something I said before. <laughs> I said the Utah Jazz were playing the Warriors, the Pelicans. The Pelicans... Are not going to beat the Warriors. I don't see that coming. As well, as good as Anthony Davis is, there's just not enough there to, to to compete with the Warriors. And the Warriors are beyond anything we've seen really as a team. Anyway, so go back to your point. Utah Jazz is great as they've been defensively. Can't don't really match up well with Houston. As Houston, 
just has a way of like getting timely shots and like honestly James Harden the MVP of the league no one can stop him yeah I mean you know let's let's go back you said you know you talked about the New Orleans Pelicans they played the Portland Trailblazers and Chris we thought that would be a pretty interesting series which we thought no one would be able to stop Anthony Davis and no one would be able to stop Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum it'll be a very high scoring series it was a high scoring series Chris it was. but yeah. it was not because of the Portland guards Damian Lillard with basically no show for this series just really a total shock after the year he had you know, he wasn't effective. Drew Holiday clearly outplayed him, Chris. He was the best guard of that series. He was by far the best guard of that series. And where do they go from here? The problem with them, to me, is they overpaid guys like Evan Turner and Mo Harkless. And they're kind of in a roster crunch, with a, you know, a cap crunch. Because they really just don't have any flexibility. And no one's going to take these bad contracts. So how can they improve and surround Lillard and McCollum with better pieces if they don't have any money? Well, they probably need to trade McCollum. I think that's probably a, a package of McCollum and Turner and McCollum and Harkless. I mean, Harkless has some value. I mean, he's he's a he's a forward who can, you know, shoot the three sometimes and like you know defend a lot of the the, the new power forwards of this league. Um, Evan Turner could probably take McCollum's spot if he if he remains on the team. I mean, you know, um, but I just, I just like ourselves. Yeah, I know, uh, but um, the team doesn't have enough. It needs another. It needs another star. I think as good. Just uh, Nurkish was was good, right? But I think the problem with him is that this is a guards league, and okay. as as good as McCollum and Lillard have been as guards, they need. They need a third. They need a third star. I I, I don't think Nurkish is enough. I mean, remember, you know, this time last year, they were campaigning to get Melo over there. Oh, they're probably glad they missed that bullet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would have been a disaster for them. Just thinking about what kind of a mess that would have been. But anyway, they get swept out of the playoffs. And Chris, you know what? McCollum being traded, that's a very interesting conversation. I mean, obviously, as a Knicks fan, I'd be salivating at the idea of a healthy Porzingis and McCollum, you know, averaging his 25 a game. That would be incredible. Yeah. But... But what about Kawhi? Um, Kawhi is tough. It's just he's a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, I don't really see the Knicks having the pieces to get him. And then on top of that, would he stay on a long-term deal if they were able to get him? I don't really see how that's possible, and I think that's a topic for another day. But yeah. you know, getting back to these you know playoffs, we mentioned the Oklahoma City Thunder, Chris. That was a mess of a series for them. They really didn't, you know, do a good job. And and you know what's the worst part about the Thunder? That they were gloating after the first the first win against Utah. You know, Paul George was 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 saying that oh how he's playoff Pete like, and honestly the Thunder seemed un- indestructible after that first game. But I think this speaks to Quinn Snyder's coaching abilities that he was able to rally a ragtag team that. Lost their best player in Gordon Hayward, um, and then they went on this crazy second half run, and were able to beat the Thunder, and by playing Smash Mouth basketball, um, I think Donovan Mitchell is going to be a, a superstar in this league. Um, he's not only adept in, in figuring out like he's a smart player, but he's also an athletic beast. 
who just knows how to like get through the lane and like get around his defenders and also he has a three-point shot obviously um i don't know i'm excited to see what this utah does to improve though um they just seem like such a balanced team i just don't know where i guess you know the easy answer is get a, a bigger star but i don't know how many stars are lining up to go to utah you know you know what though i think they're gonna find a way to get guys to play with donald mitchell i mean he clearly got the league on notice and why, why wouldn't you want to go play with him it's a fun yeah. city it's, it's really the only sports professional sports team there you know you, you have the whole you know the, you have the whole you know city to yourselves kind of like what westbrook has with the thunder you know, people love the Thunder there. They're going out the games. They're selling out games. They don't have enough, any more competition there. It's not like there's, you know, two baseball teams and a bat, you know, football team. It's it's just the Utah Jazz. So they should be able to have no problems, you know, getting somebody else to go play there. I'm not saying like it's going to be a LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard, but they could probably get somebody who could score and defend over there without any issues. And, again, they've drafted really well in the past. Right. Rudy Gobert, now you have Donald Mitchell. Why can't they add to this group at some point? That's true. Um, I think it's. I think right now it's more about the right fit because that team seems to like... If they needed one piece, Chris, what would you say that would be? Honestly, I'm, I, Paul George, but I think Paul George... That would fit, be something. But that pa- would be something. But Paul George fits in like any team. I mean, like, that needs a two-way player like him. To have him plug him in at three next to Mitchell and I have my theories there, as to where he would be crazy. I have my theories as to where he would go. I Everyone just thinks he's going to the Lakers, and I don't. I, don't, I mean, like, yes, he's from there. We get it, but it's just like they don't have a very good team. It's not I don't know if I team. see it. Yeah, you know, Lonzo Ball was like, yes, he's he's entertaining, he's interesting, he's a crazy athlete, but he was not good this year. He missed half the year with injuries. And he wasn't really that great when he was there. He didn't shoot the ball well. You know, I, we all both kind of thought Brandon Ingram would kind of take more of a step forward this year. That didn't happen. You know, Kyle Kuzma is a very good player. He had a very good rookie year. But, like, that's with those guys and Paul George, to me, that's not a playoff team. Mm-mm. I don't really see how that's a playoff team. So, if he could instead go to Utah, I think, I Paul, think that makes so much sense. I think there's a misconception in the league that Paul George is a, like a top Top ten player. I don't even. I think he's a top ten player. I don't. Think, okay. I wouldn't put it. Top ten. I I don't know if he's a top ten player. I think he's a borderline top ten. player. Okay, that I'll give you. You know what? His defensive prowess. You know. Well, yeah, because he's shootable. I don't. I don't think he and Westbrook fit that well this year. Where it seems like he kind of flew under the radar. Where in Indiana before that, he never flew under the radar. He was the go-to guy. He was a defensive stopper. Yeah. And it yeah. seems like this year he was a little underused. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Um, so then, what does OKC do? I I don't know what they can do. They are a huge mess. You know, obviously, twenty seven. I, th- I just think it speaks to. It's such a shame with Carmelo Anthony that I think something that we always knew in New York that he always put his pride ahead of the benefit of the team, and I think it. I think his comments the other day um, about him not wanting. He, him saying that he sacrificed too much, which is crazy. Which is insane. Like, what are you sacrificing? Your your fifty thousand shot attempts per game, like, like Melo Melo. I think Melo would have a new resurgence of his career if he 
became a sixth man, right? He's not going to be a star anymore. Well, at least he hasn't shown it this year. I mean, it's just he doesn't play any defense. You know, he's not really hustling. You know, if he's not shooting the ball well, he really has no value out there. And you know, you saw it in these and you have shooters playoffs. Yeah. You got guys like Raymond Felton and Jerry and Grant who, you know, Billy Donovan trusts at the end of these games more than Carmelo Anthony, who's got a million playoff games yeah. in his life. And it just shows you how far he's fallen off. You know, he's got a twenty-seven million dollar opt-in that he's going to exercise. He's going to stay in that contract. So he's gonna be a he's gonna be a member of Thunder next year, and I would assume at this point Paul George will be. Yeah, you'd have to. Um, quickly, let's go and talk about the second round uh, on the East side. So LeBron is playing Toronto. You have LeBron and the Cavaliers winning in how many games? I have LeBron and the Cavs winning the series in seven games. I was very concerned with how much they needed LeBron. Okay. To beat Indiana. I mean, I've been saying since the beginning, Cavs Warriors 4 is a, you know, is a lock. And I no longer believe it's a lock. It's, it's very concerning the fact that um, it took everything LeBron had to get past this series in seven games. He came out and said, I'm exhausted. You know, basically just went home. Uh, and again, this Pacer team is a nice team. Victor Oladipo has had some very good moments this year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Miles Turner, Len, you know, Lance Stevenson, this is not a team that should stop LeBron James. And the fact that he had just such a small amount of help around him really just shows the weight that's been on LeBron's shoulders. It might be more weight than he's ever had to carry in his career before. I think so. And, and you, I think he's scored and insisted on more than like a high percentage of of what the Cavaliers have done in terms of offense. And he's killing it on fantasy, let me tell you that. He's helped me win a few games. I just think moving forward, him, she needs a better cast, man. How are you expected to go to the finals with Kyle Korver as your 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 second best player on that I team? Mean, where's Kevin <laughs> like, Love? Like I love I love I think Kyle Korver is great, don't get me wrong. And Kevin Love, I think he's been getting a lot of flack and deservedly so, but I think after he got his concussion and after he talked about his uh, panic attacks, he's definitely been a different player. He's not as aggressive. He he doesn't rebound the ball as much. And I think that's something that the NBA or the Cavaliers need to explore in the offseason. Something's happened with Love. Um, let's flip gears to the Celtics. Um, Sixer series. The Sixers are an impressive young bunch. I think the Celtics have finally figured them out. I thought the Heat were going to figure them out uh, in terms of like you know Simmons not being able to shoot, not le- not letting him get to the lane. Yesterday, Horford did a great job guarding him. Um, uh, and Terry Rozier, man, like you said earlier, he's been showing something that. Maybe do you need Kyrie? I guess. I mean, I know Kyrie is a top top five, top ten player too. But like Terry Rozier has been playing lights out as a starting point guard for the Celtics. He deserves and, a ton of credit, and you know what? If they wanted, they could probably ask for whatever they wanted, draft pick wise, for him as a trade candidate with him being a free agent next year. I don't think they're going to do that. They're going to keep both those guys, him and Kyrie, together. But, you know, as a Knicks fan, I'm kind of fantasizing about 
Terry Rozier averaging 20 a game and seven assists as the Knicks starting point guard next year. So huh. that would be Anybody, nice. right? Absolutely. Right, you know. Um, and then finally, I think we should also talk about the Knicks coaching search. So it looks like, um, according to um, Woj, the coaching search, uh, the Knicks coaching search is coming to an end. Um, looks like they'll announce a decision by the end of this week. Um, and a few of the candidates that have been added since we last spoke were uh, Golden State Warriors um, associate head coach, Mike Brown, um, Jay Borrego. Uh, I think, I don't, Mike Woolenholzer, I don't think we mentioned him last time. Um, he's one of the other ones. Um, what do you think, Steve? I mean, Mike Budenholzer to me is the guy. He's a descendant of Greg Popovich. Anytime you got a Spurs coach, <laughs> anytime you got a Spurs coach in your, like, in, your <laughs> in your in your organization, that's never a bad thing. You know, look what Brett Brown has done. There's there's guys all over the league, you know, coaching wise, who have done a really great job as yes, disciples of Greg Popovich. Yeah. He's the guy to me. He's had a great record in Atlanta. Now they just decided it's time to tank. It's not his fault. And I was saying, Chris, I'm willing to let the Knicks give up some kind of pick to go get Mike Budenholzer out of Atlanta. Instead, they decided to part ways with him, so they get nothing. Mm-hmm. And the Knicks can hire him without having to give up any draft pick right. conversations. So oh, it, makes, right. it makes a, a ton of uh, sense there. I would go after him very quickly, see if they can get that done. And again, he's a guy who has been in a rebuild situation. He's been in winning situations. He's an experienced coach who I think would handle everything New York has to offer very well. He is the guy to me, Chris. I understand they have a very large list of, of coaching candidates, but right now that's the guy for me. Uh, before we wrap up the show, what do you think? Uh, for me, my personal pick, I'm going to have to go with uh, Mike Brown. Mike Brown, I feel like has been, like as you said, you know, like Mike Budenholzer has been in bad situations in Atlanta, good situations obviously with the Spurs, and obviously their playoff run with the the Hawks. I think Mike Brown has enough, a wealth of experience. You know, he's coached the Cavs to the finals. He's coached the Warriors when uh, Steve Kerr was out. He's coached the Lakers, who were like in the midst of a weird rebuild slash playoff, you know, contention kind of thing uh, with Kobe. So I think Mike Brown's like a, a dark horse. Uh, the other guy I like is uh, is uh, Jerry Stackhouse, who I've heard great reviews about. So I'm happy with either or. The only I think Mark Jackson is maybe the one candidate I wouldn't want. Um, but frankly, of all the candidates, if if one of those were the picks, I would not be disappointed. Like. How can you be disappointed with any of those guys that we just mentioned? It does know? sound like they're going to be able to get a good candidate in here. Right, and really that's what matters. It's someone that knows what you're getting into with New York. As um, long as they're patient with them. Because again, this is not a quick fix. This is going to right. be a long rebuild. What, this will be what, Porzingis' fourth, fourth coach? Fourth year and fourth coach. Fourth year yeah. and fourth coach. You have Derek Fisher, Kurt Rambis, you know, Hornacek, and now this fourth coach. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in. Uh, We'll catch you later this week for the new show.